Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there. I'm Marcus Extivore, and welcome to my episode of We're Not Going Back to Normal. Imagining Life After COVID-19. In this podcast, we'll explore the unexpected side effects of COVID-19 and how humans all around the world are responding today with data-driven optimism. COVID-19 has changed life as we know it. One effect I did not see coming is that in China, in Europe, in other parts of the world, including here at home for me in the United States, air pollution levels are way down. With so many cars parked and so many factories having reduced or suspended operations, our air is the cleanest it's been in decades. Personally, I'm probably spending more time outdoors than I normally do, taking a walk around the block each day as I desperately attempt to break up the tension and monotony of self-isolation at home. I know the super clean air won't last forever, but it's still an interesting time to be thinking about the connections between COVID-19 and our climate and our environment on Earth. Now, it's true that climate change is expected to result in the frequency and the severity of global pandemics, including the flu and other infectious diseases. I have to say, this is beyond concerning given what we're seeing with COVID-19 today. But maybe the most important connection between pandemics and climate at this particular moment is that COVID-19 and climate change both challenge our global institutions to rethink their strategies in how they address threats that have the power to cripple the world as we know it. The world has mobilized into action to battle COVID-19 and its effects, but the warnings for climate change have been met with deferrals, mostly to future generations. I think we have an opportunity to learn a lot from our response to COVID-19 when we are actually able to return to the fight against climate change. Just as COVID-19 has already turned our world upside down, the climate emergency also could overwhelm our ability to cope if we don't take serious action soon. On the bright side, and this is where the data-driven optimism really comes in, we know we have the ability to avoid the worst of the human health and environmental impacts of climate change if we intervene early and aggressively. One thing that COVID-19 and climate threats have in common is that the threats are abstract and hard to see. That is, until they're right in front of us. Climate change would be a lot easier to understand if it were easier to see. Carbon dioxide is a clear, colorless, odorless gas whose emissions have basically never been regulated. That's a similar story for all the other greenhouse gases. Human activity produces about 38 billion tons of carbon dioxide every year. But you could be forgiven for asking, where is it? We know that the global average temperature increase of even 2 or 3 degrees could have severe long-term impacts for our way of life on Earth. But day to day, a 2 or 3 degree increase in the temperature outside doesn't really seem like much to worry about to most people. It's not something we can feel, see, or touch viscerally. Now, COVID-19 seemed like an invisible threat too. Carriers of the virus may not show symptoms, and testing is not 100% effective. The virus itself is too small to see with the naked eye, when we know it stays hidden in plain sight on surfaces and objects for hours or even days. Seeing is usually believing, so many people initially thought this invisible COVID threat was distant, remote, abstract. Today, the threat of the virus is an obvious global public health emergency, unlike anything most of us have ever witnessed. Each country and each region is doing its best to tackle the challenge in every way they can. In the climate world, 
The evidence and the warning signs have been piling up for years. Maybe that evidence and the consequences of inaction are almost too big to cope with. It has been amazing to see the world pull together to fight COVID-19, but in climate, we're just not there yet. Another thing that COVID-19 and climate change have in common is the proposed solutions can sound, well, crazy at first. It's amazing how quickly the world has adopted to an entirely new way of life, canceling all travel, practicing social distancing, washing our hands constantly, avoiding even going outside except for emergencies and essentials like food. To fight the climate crisis, we're told we'll have to do things like reinvent the global economy, end fossil fuel use, transform the energy system, the farming sector, transportation, manufacturing, buildings. We might have to invent an entirely new suite of technologies and social innovations. Oh, and by the way, we also might need a carbon management system that's roughly eight times the size of our global oil system, which can sound crazy. The COVID-19 public health guidance seemed crazy too, until it was right on top of us. When the COVID-19 pandemic eventually subsides, will we continue to view the sustainability and climate solutions in the same light? Will they seem as crazy then? The technical details can be overwhelming too, until they become a part of everyday speech and culture. Two months ago in the United States, we were reading about a new coronavirus spreading rapidly throughout China, starting in the province of Wuhan. Now, we're all overnight experts in COVID-19. Public health, self-isolation, social distancing, mitigation versus suppression, and the dictionary definition of a pandemic. Who would have ever thought that a phrase like flattening the curve would be trending on Twitter? The details can get very technical very fast. And this is always a challenge for mass communication of science and policy. In climate, we talk about climate models, global warming potentials, the difference between weather and climate, atmospheric and earth science, radiative forcing, the carbon cycle, all kinds of technical terms like that. Like the COVID-19 pandemic, the climate crisis is underpinned by a set of complex scientific topics. Each one is digestible and understandable, but it's not a very approachable subject. For most people, these are not intuitive concepts and it's just not part of our daily experience. The feeling of being overwhelmed by the technical and scientific details can be a challenge in both cases and it's compounded by the urgent need to actually understand them exactly in a moment of crisis. However, we are seeing clearly that this understanding can be developed really quickly when we see how directly the threat can affect each of us personally. Epidemiologists knew that something like COVID-19 could erupt. They have organized a global network of experts to track the spread of influenza and other coronaviruses, assess each for its potential to spread widely, and organize a global vaccine response and they do this every year. Shout out to the people that have brought us the flu shot. But when the COVID-19 crisis hit, many resisted expert advice at first. There was a delay in implementing the clear recommendations of the people who know best. I think it's fair to say that despite all this expert advice, we were not ready for this. In the climate world, there's an international framework of scientists and others called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or the IPCC. They have organized a system of gathering multiple streams of peer-reviewed research, and have been compiling comprehensive reports every five years for the last 30 years. Their evaluation of the scientific evidence for climate change, the consequences of inaction on our natural ecosystems and our human societies, and even suggestions on what to do about it have been there for everyone to see for years. And they are only just one group among many who have studied the problem and offered science-based guidance and solutions. But still, we hesitate. We deflect. In some cases, we outright ignore. Will our COVID-19 experience finally push us into a new way of thinking and acting? Even now, I have to admit, I still can't believe COVID-19 has brought us to this point. It's a lesson that exponential threats really do catch us off guard if we're not careful. They can surprise even those of us who think we are ready to deal with them. So what can we do about this? 
If pandemics or the climate crisis feels abstract to you, one thing always helps, asking an expert. Ask and encourage every scientist or doctor or healthcare professional in your network to break down the challenge for you. Explain the tangible consequences in a way you can understand. Make it real for you. If you don't have anybody in your networks, go online. There are a lot of great explainer videos that you can share with friends and family and digest yourself. Never feel like a question is too small or too big to ask. Awareness really helps. Even though it hasn't been perfect, the overall COVID-19 response is showing us that we can act together to battle global threats. Solutions are actually within our reach if we challenge ourselves to go just a bit further and push a bit harder and collaborate more, frankly. At XPRIZE, we say that the day before an idea becomes a breakthrough, it's just a crazy idea. How can we turn today's crazy ideas into tangible action for the next crisis? In response to COVID-19, XPRIZE just launched the XPRIZE Pandemic Alliance, a data-powered global alliance that combines the power of collaboration, competition, innovation, and radical thinking to accelerate solutions that can be applied to COVID-19 and future pandemics. For climate change, get involved in our NRG COSIA Carbon XPRIZE, where innovators are right now showing us how to turn carbon dioxide emissions into valuable products. Also, stay tuned for the Carbon Removal Prize, a prize we'd like to launch next year that will challenge innovators from around the world to take CO2 directly out of the air and directly out of the oceans. These are innovations that may seem like nice-to-haves today, but they actually could be considered crucial to our survival on Earth pretty soon. The time is now, today, to accelerate breakthrough innovation on climate. In many ways, the COVID-19 response has also been a painful lesson in the challenges of integrating science advice into public policy and into the culture at large. The good news is that the data finally cut through the noise in a way that allowed us to act with purpose together. When we get through this, and we will, we'll have learned a lot about what to do and what not to do the next time a virus threatens our societies. But if we're willing to look a little deeper, I think we can draw lessons on how to deal with other existential threats like climate change that we know are going to challenge us in the decades to come. Thanks for listening to my episode of We're Not Going Back to Normal, Imagining Life After COVID-19. I'm Marcus Extavor. Stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Stay healthy, stay safe, everybody.